<laughs> Connor, <laughs> she's gone. Matt, gone like Iron Matt. Man. <laughs> no, Matt, Matt, Matthew, Griffin. Hey, first bro. of all, first of all, like spoilers. Uh, second of all, like, come on, man, you're a professional. Like, get 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 yourself together. You can do this on your own. Come on, man. But but Connor Brown, it's Connor Brown. Yeah, well, you're Matthew Schufrider. Get it together, Brozif. All right. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? The new season. There you go. How do I sound, Griffin? There you go. Season three. Let's do this. Oh, we missed everyone so much, and we can't wait for what the new season's going to bring. Right, Griffin? That is correct. Uh, who, who is our guest for this first episode, Matt? Well, <clears throat> Our first guest is actress, singer, dancer, choreographer, and playwright, Ariel Trianfo. Ariel recently just graduated from Columbia College, Chicago, and her story is incredible. She lived in Brooklyn growing up and started dancing at the age of five. From there, she moved to Nebraska and trained in Circus Soleil from there. Ariel is a 2018 recipient of the Diversity and Inclusion Award and the Jim Jacobs Musical Theater Scholarship and is also a recipient of the David Talbot Cox Scholarship and the Sheldon Batikin Award, all from Columbia College, Chicago. Yeah, I, son. I know, right? She's multi-talented. I've known her for many years, and we've become great friends over time. She's a delight, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. We recorded this conversation on Zoom on August 18th, so some dates and events may vary. So, are you ready to get things started, Griffin? Uh, yes. There you go. And five, six, seven, eight, go. Wow, that was really clever what you did there. <laughs> Hi, Ariel. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, we were just talking about before and about pandemic life, and you were on my other podcast before months ago. Um, talking about it. So has anything changed? How is life under the bubble? Um, you know, I feel like I've gotten into the swing of things. Um, not that there's much to get into the swing of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, I became a moderator for a friend's Discord server. So I spent a lot of time on there. Mm -hmm. um, we organize a lot of like Zoom hangouts and uh, games and stuff like that. So I keep pretty busy with that. Um, and then I am still doing like some, some gig work, like photo shoots and I'm writing for a play festival actually. Mm. So. Is that your first time playwriting at all? Um, professionally, yes. Oh. Yeah. How's that going? Do you have, can we talk anything about the play yet? Um, well, it's, it's like, since it's a, it's a festival where, uh, it's not all going to be like plays um, the piece I'm writing is actually more like a stream of consciousness uh, spoken word type of thing um, it's for Quack Productions they're putting on a Black Joy play festival um, in the coming months and as one of the writers uh, we had a meeting where we talked about like all the things that we want to address in our works and then uh, in a couple of days our first drafts are due so I'm excited to hear what everyone else has and present what I have. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And you, like you said, you never written a play before. Um, can we talk a little bit? Is this like a one person show? Is this multiple characters or, or like what inspired you to write this play? Um, mine, I think it's going to be, I'm not sure yet. Cause it's still, um, still in the works. Yeah. But I think mine is going to be, um, like just a flowing narrative that kind of shifts between several actors reading the different parts Mm -hmm. Um, because it's all stuff that like different people could relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm writing a children's play right now and it's Mm -hmm. very hard to do that. Um, For you, did the idea just come naturally or this took a lot of time to write and produce um it's it's been like about a month since we was hired um all of the writers kind of well since we had our meeting with the topics that we wanted to address um Mm -hmm. we we all picked like which ones kind of spoke to us the most but there will be common things through all of our pieces um so it's taken a lot of thought and reflection but also I'm writing about like my personal experience as a black person so it's like all things that I've experienced my whole life and thought about for a long time and now I'm just putting it into written words Mm -hmm. what do you hope people take away from your piece or do you want because I know some people actually don't want they don't expect their (laughs) audiences to feel anything if that makes sense I don't know. I I hope my piece is enlightening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's a better way to say that. Uh, I'm I'm not like I don't know. I don't. I'm not looking for people to feel any particular thing. I just want to expand their knowledge in a way. Yeah. In a poetic way. Yeah. Has this like made you want to develop more plays, or you're you're okay with just the one? Oh, I definitely want to do more. Um, I've been writing for a long time, but I've never really, I mean, this is my first professional work and um, I mean, I've presented a few things at school mm-hmm. and a lot of things I just write for myself, but um, especially in the day and age when I can't really perform live, mm-hmm. um, I would love to do more writing work. You have a, I think you had a blog at some point, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I haven't touched it in a minute, um, but it's on my website. I think I made two posts. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get back into that. Let's do a reboot. Let's get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have the time. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we've been on lockdown since March. I think we all had a, loads of time. <laughs> yeah. Which is also strange because it, I, I don't know. Time feels so weird. Mm-hmm. It feels like March was yesterday. Right. I think someone sent, I was at the day camp job, oh, like the last week, someone said, there are 22 weeks until Christmas. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I can't, ugh. I, it's weird because either time has gone by very fast or very slow at the same time for me. I don't know if you feel that way. It just feels like at one moment we were in March, but now all of a sudden it's August. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Where where has time gone? I don't know. It's an illusion anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's an illusion. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I'm curious. I want to take it back to your upbringing. So you uh, grew up in Brooklyn, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, what was life like in Brooklyn and how did you discover your love of theater and dance? Brooklyn was, it was such a, like a small neighborhood feeling compared to like the big cities that I've lived in since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually went back last spring and I'd say that things are like a little more gentrified, a little um, busier, but it still had like that quaint feel to it in some places. Um, growing up there was, I don't know, it was very chill. Like we lived in a neighborhood that was kind of separate from the busiest places. Um, I remember like just playing on our stoop, playing along the street and like going places by myself or with my siblings without really worrying about anything. Um, and I guess that was like over 10 years ago at this point, uh, almost 20 ages. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, my mom put me in dance classes at a pretty young age, around four or five, I think, mm-hmm. um, because I was always pretty rhythmic and musical. Um, actually started walking before I started talking. <laughs> really? uh, yeah. And yeah, she put me in dance because like music was probably the thing that I responded to the most. Uh, and it just clicked for me. Was there any music in specific that really struck with you back then? Um, I know, I know I would always love listening to like classical music. Oh, but I think my favorite song, <laughs> my favorite songs were the Barney theme song. Well, what are you saying? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Barney theme song and the Rubber Ducky song from Sesame Street. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would dance to it. For those of you who can't see it, Ariel is just doing some TikTok moves just now. <laughs> you know what? I coined all those dances. I, I deserve a <laughs> I want to assume you're a big Barney and Sesame Street watcher growing up. As a young kid, yeah. <laughs> oh, not now, obviously. I, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're doing it now, then I don't blame you. Again, we had a lot of time. Um, so anyway... Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, what did your parents do? So your mom took you to a dance class. Did they were they involved in the arts at all? Yeah, uh, they actually both were. My mom uh, is a trained classical singer. Um, she went to she went to school for voice, and uh, my dad actually played violin mm. in his youth. I don't know as much about um, how he got into everything, but they they're both very artistic people mm-hmm. uh, my stepdad is as well he plays piano and um, he's an opera singer as well oh my gosh that's amazing and did your yeah. siblings do anything in the arts or is it just you they did uh, my brother had a band at one point uh, he's the singer my younger siblings took dance classes and one of them took two of them took gymnastics at one point as well um, I'm, I'm the only one who's like super involved in the arts still right now, 
but they've all they've all dabbled in it and they're all talented in various aspects that's awesome so you were at this dance class and you were um under the guidance of fred and nana alby correct yes um um what were they like and what did they teach you during that obviously you know dance of course but like was there anything specific that stuck with you even now to this day um because it was it was so long ago Mm -hmm. but i still have like some some distinct memories um not necessarily like specific things but more impressions Mm -hmm. um i didn't really work with fred he he taught the gymnastics side of things um so i had i had nana um for the years that i was there Mm -hmm. and i don't know she just made it really easy to learn and she was always very encouraging um i i've always been a very conscientious and studious person even in dance classes and even at a young age um and she could tell that i was serious about it even back then and it was it was really hard for me when i found out that we were moving away from new york mm-hmm. las vegas so i was around nine or ten but uh on my last day, she took me and my mom aside and told us to make sure to find somewhere to put me in classes because I really had the potential to go far. Um, so that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And just for people who don't know who the Albies were or the Albie School of Dance, um, what, how well known is this dance company and how well known are the Albies? They're, they're pretty well known. It was one of, it was like the main dance school in Brooklyn, I want to say. Okay. Um, I should really go back and like read about them again, because they had pretty impressive uh, careers and resumes. Um, nothing that like immediately comes to mind, but I remember um, they've done a lot and they've had the school for a long time. I'm actually not sure uh, what the status of the school is at this time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did walk by it last time I visited New York. and It hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love that when thing when like, I, I told this on the podcast before, but my parents grew up in Evanston and there's a hardware store that sells mm-hmm. um, tomatoes, pasta sauce, and it still hasn't changed. So when I was there last summer, I went back. And besides the fact they didn't have any pasta sauce, the hardware store itself it hasn't changed. So oh, it's always like going a nice little um, step back in time per se. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So you moved from Brooklyn. You now went to Las Vegas, correct? Yes. Okay. And then you were at the Academy of Nevada Ballet. And then you got this um, award, correct? Yes. A scholarship for, it was pretty much a full ride. Um, actually, when we moved to Vegas, um, it was kind of hard financially to figure things out. So I didn't take dance for a year or two. Oh, um, what was that yeah. like? I mean, does that hurt the rhythm or just coming back to it was very rough, right? Um, I'd say it was more emotionally difficult than physical. Yeah. Um, I guess because kids have like such a physical elasticity uh, when it comes to bouncing back and things. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard for me to not be doing the thing that I loved most. So as soon as we could, we 
we actually put me in a summer program at the Academy of Nevada Valley Theater. Um, but when we looked at the fall rates, it was really too expensive for us. Mm-hmm. So I later auditioned for a community center program that was closer to us and um, it was free. And at that audition, the teacher in charge was actually an instructor at Academy of Nevada Valley Theater because I didn't know it at the time, but it was the community center program was a satellite program from NBT. And after the audition for that program, she kept me and a couple of other girls after the fact and had us do a little more and show that we were a little more advanced. And then I got a full ride to the Academy. Wow, that's awesome. And at this age, did you have a dream of what you wanted to do? And do you think that cha- that dream has changed since then? Um, I just knew that I wanted to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, Plain and simple. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, the dream hasn't changed. I guess maybe the, the journey has taken me in different directions than maybe I thought I would go. But it's still the dream and I still get to do it. Which I'm really grateful for, um, yeah. even though I'm mostly doing it in my bedroom right now. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, people have been dancing in the bedrooms for <laughs> years. It's true. Yeah, uh, December 31st, probably every year. Um, mm-hmm. So talk to me about, there's a book that you um, would read excerpts from. It's called Dancing in the Wings by um, Debbie Allen. Um, uh <laughs> It's, it, you're crazy. How do you think I know all this? <laughs> um, talk about what's that book about and why was it so important for you to want to read this book to children? Um, another, another funny kind of serendipitous full circle moment. Um, I had that book growing up and I read it a lot. Uh, it's about a black girl named Sassy mm-hmm. who wants to be a professional ballerina and uh, she's she's very tall so she always sticks out in a crowd mm-hmm. um, so she would always be put in the back or um, she wouldn't get featured in in performances uh, and so one day she auditions for this prestigious program and you know her family encourages her to let herself shine and not be afraid to stand out uh, so everyone else wears black leotards and she wears her bright yellow leotard and uh, she stands out and she gets the she gets like the lead role um, and it's called dancing in the wings because she would always copy the steps like from off stage uh, but finally she gets to shine too did you see yourself in that character growing up? Is that why you wanted to present it a lot? In some ways I did. Um, I couldn't relate to being too tall. Um, Me too, too. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, you're really shorter than me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I did relate to her in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny because when the director of the education outreach program presented the idea to me, she didn't know that I had grown up reading that book. 
she she like picked it and and then I was like oh I love this book I yeah. would love to use it for this program so that was cool well and what was the response like when um you presented this to kids did they connect with it as well did even girls or boys come up to you saying thank you or something like that they saw themselves on stage yeah I'm actually getting emotional thinking about it um, oh my gosh it's, <laughs> it's probably like one of the most special periods of time in my life um being able to reach that many kids like I reached thousands of kids with that program um it's funny because like I mean, the younger ones would always pretty much connect right away. They'd be like, oh, a ballerina. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, of course, usually the girls were more excited than the boys. Um, but I loved it because always by the end, the boys would be just as excited, if not more. Um, <laughs> and, and like I've been, I've been told I have a good way with kids. Yeah. And I really enjoy like, working with them and talking to them. You know, it's funny listening to you talk. I almost wonder, like, why can't we should we should bring this back or bring this book back, especially in the times we're living in, um, what the responses to children now and how they respond back. I think because I don't know what you I don't know how you'd feel. Do you feel like <laughs> this book now means more to to people of color more than ever? Right? Yeah. No, you're totally right. Um... Yeah, I should, I should look into, I should get back in touch with uh, the director and talk to her about it because it could work really well as like a video series or a Zoom class. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool to do because um, I would I'd read parts of the book and then I would talk about like the professional experience of a ballerina. And I would teach a few simple things. And then the kids would always leave dancing, um, dancing their way out. Uh, some of my favorite questions that I've got from the kids were things like, are you a real princess? <laughs> and, um, and questions like, uh, how do they paint the backdrops and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you show them like a program to Columbia College. You'd be like, here, find out yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I got all kinds of questions. Yeah, right. Did, would you say yes to them if you were a princess? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say usually something like yes, and so are you. It, it reminds me um, not to go on the sidetrack on the Wiggles. Um, but there's a, the female wiggle, wiggle, her name is Emma, and she wears a bow in her hair, and she goes to every child who wears a bow, you are so boldful today. <laughs> That's cute. That, yeah. Um, so how long did this go on for with the whole, um, with this book and this performance? Was this like a longer run? Was this a short run? Um, how long did it go on for? Uh, I believe we did two runs of it. Um, okay. Two separate school semesters um and we went to everything from like pre-k to middle school level um, yeah now was this when was this at so almost was this after before right before you went to Nevada Ballet Theater and uh Cirque du Soleil we, what? 
Um, kind of, kind of. Okay. Uh, because Nevada Ballet's company is connected to their academy, mm-hmm. and I I came up through the academy program, uh, but then I also was asked to start working with the company uh, while I was in my final years as a student. So mm-hmm. I kind of did both for a while, and that's when we started doing the program. And then once I graduated from the academy, I was hired into the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how, old, how old were you when all this was going on? Was this still in high school? Yes, I, I graduated high school at 16, and then um, I graduated from the academy program at 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was turning 18, uh, which is when you age out. And then, uh, so I, I think we we were doing this program when I was around 17 or 18. I would have to look back at the photos to see the dates. See, that, that, that's that crazy. time kind of blurs. That's crazy to me because you are also valedictorian and you are so <laughs> good in school. So, I mean, yeah, how did you feel? I mean, you had probably one of the craziest schedules at the age of 17 that's, you know, not in New York or LA, would you think? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I actually, so going back to like the school side of things, I, I was homeschooled through eighth grade, skipped seven. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I went to a vocational technical high school in Vegas for two years, mm-hmm. um, briefly studied graphic design and communications um, as my major there. And then that was about when I was asked to start working with the company, which I couldn't do with a regular school schedule. So I switched to online school so I could do everything. Um, yeah. And then, then after I graduated, I started working with the company, which is how I got to work with Cirque du Soleil a little bit. Was that hard socially growing up with the homeschool and then going to dance class and then, um, moving all that was that hard socially in some ways yes um I mean the transition from homeschool to high school wasn't as scary as I had thought it would be right and it's not like I didn't know how to socialize I just didn't uh hadn't been in that environment before Mm -hmm. Uh, and then with dance all the time um when I was going to high school uh, I couldn't really be a part of any of the extracurriculars or spend time with people very much because I was always at class, um, at dance class. Uh, and then, yeah, all pretty much all of my time was focused on schoolwork and dance class. And I would say that I didn't have much of a social life outside of uh, like my dance classmates and then later the dance company members. Uh, which, you know, going back, I wouldn't change anything, but I'm glad that um, through through college and through growing up, uh, becoming an adult, uh, I've learned how to better balance that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're at Nevada, you're at ballet, and then Circus Delay, when did, where and how and why? <laughs> So uh, Nevada Valley actually has a yearly collaboration project with Cirque du Soleil Las Vegas. Um, they, they do a choreographer showcase, which is uh, there's like, there's a process where choreographers have to submit their ideas and then they select the choreographers. 
And then there's an audition process where dancers from the company and artists from Cirque du Soleil all get into a room together and the choreographers cast who they want in their pieces from that audition. Um, so that was definitely the coolest few years of my life. Um, I, I was in it for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Because my, my time at the company was um, kind of overlapped. So sometimes uh, it gets muddled, but uh, the first year I was in several pieces and uh, it was really cool to work with some star choreographers because I had never, like, I got to do styles that I had never really worked on. What sort of style, styles would you work on? Uh, so I was in a body percussion piece. It was okay. my first time, first time ever doing that. Um, it's where you, like, you know, clap and stomp and create all the rhythms with, with your body. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I also was in a contemporary piece that's actually kind of famous. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you would know this name, but Danny Ezrelo is like a big choreographer. Um, and he set a piece that he had created previously on artists from the ballet company and the Cirque. Okay, artists. cool. Yeah. Um, and during all this time, what sort of experience were you getting from all this? And, you know, helping out, is Circus Delay very different from like ballet and what you were doing before this or, um, or is it very similar? Um, well, let's see. It, it's, the process is like, it's only, it happens over a couple of months. So it's not yeah. like a um, super long process. But it was really enlightening and fun to be able to work with these different artists um, because, I mean, I had training in, like, contemporary and modern, um, and it's not like I had ever done, it's not like I had never done anything but ballet. Mm -hmm. But it was really cool to approach these different styles uh, with a different mindset. And the, <laughs> uh, the second year that I... I actually applied to be a choreographer for really? the program. Yeah. And it was my first time ever choreographing anything really um, on other people. But I submitted my ideas. I had to write the concept. I had to pick the music. And here I was getting to choreograph on professional artists from both the ballet company and from Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> When, when you say that, I think it would have been very hard. And did you have to get a lot of trust from the ensemble? Because if you were the youngest one, it's like, why do we have to listen to her, this kid? Was that hard for you or was it hard for them? You know, you might think that it would be that way, but it was really cool. Um, like everyone fully respected me um, yeah. at the front of the room. Like I never felt like like people didn't want to listen to me or didn't see me as the person at the front of the room. Um, like despite my age and experience differences, uh, it was such a great experience working with everyone. Um, and my piece turned out really cool. Uh, I also had some of the students in my piece 
who at the time were recipients of the scholarship that I had had when I was in the academy. Very cool. Yeah. So, so they were in like the second half of the piece and it was cool working with them too because um, kind of all the kids in the program looked up to me because I was one of the first ones who had the scholarship and I came all the way up through the academy and made it into the company. So, um, and I, I kind of was their role model in many ways. Uh, I love them. Like I said, I love kids. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you know, all, on all this time, do you ever think about becoming a teacher even now? Like a full-time teacher? I, it has crossed my mind. I don't know that I would have the mental capacity to be a full-time teacher. Yeah. Um, it's, it takes so much. Like I really admire um, teachers and instructors uh, for everything they do. Um, but I have, I have done like substitute teaching and assistant teaching. Um, so I'd, I'd love to maybe be a part-time dance teacher. Yeah. Um, so speaking of teaching, you now decided to go to school and you went to Santa Fe University of Art and Design in Mexico. Yes. Um, and then something happened after the first year. What happened after the first year? Yes. Well, um, I actually, I decided to go to Santa Fe because um, even though I loved my time at Nevada Ballet, like, you know, it, it had its pros and cons. Um, I felt the need to expand who I was as an artist. Um, and I wanted to try my hand at theater. Mm -hmm. So uh, after I got into the school and I went um, there, like, it was, it was great. It was just the next step that I needed started taking voice for the first time and acting for the first time, got cast in my first play and musical. Uh, and then the school shut down. Now, why? Why? You know, sometimes I still ask that. Oh, okay, we still don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they told us, but it was kind of hard to understand. Um, basically, the school, I think it in some way, it was privately owned and there was some overseas deal with like ownership that didn't go through, uh, especially with the election at the time. And uh, for whatever reason, they, yeah, they had to shut it down because of some deal. Uh, and it put hundreds of students at a loss for, you know, what to do next. Yeah. And how did you feel after, after, that happened did you think at all this is over for you or you or thought well go to a new school I guess um well I'd say it was probably like one of the most traumatic things that's happened in my life so yeah. far um I don't know that I ever thought like it's all over yeah but I definitely had the thought like maybe this is a sign that I made the wrong choice and like it was hard to get over all of the feelings that I and that all of us experienced at the time. But um, Columbia College Chicago had like a pretty streamlined transfer process set up for us. Yeah. Um, they like waived some things and uh, simplified the process and the program like seemed pretty similar to what I was doing in Santa Fe. Uh, 
So I kind of told myself, if I get into Columbia, then I'll keep going with this. And if I don't, then I don't know what I'm going to do. But but yeah, I got in and transferred over. I think over 100 of us ended up transferring from Santa Fe to Columbia. And I'm really glad I ended up in Chicago. Uh, It was the right place for me. And yeah, there's so much creativity and collaboration here. especially in theater. And uh, I, I've been lucky enough to be able to work at several of the theaters around the city. I actually got my first job while I was still in school. Um, yeah, was this Gypsy? Yes. Yes, Gypsy with Porchlight. And because um, you were working um, with Ife Butler, correct? Yes. Now, who is she for those people who don't know much about musical theater? Um, and if they don't, you know, they're, they're dead to me. Uh, um, but yeah, who is she for those people who never heard of her? Um, I don't know that I could accurately describe all of the amazing things that she's done. Uh, she's kind of like one of Chicago's most amazing theater divas. Uh, she has had an incredible career and still is having an incredible career. Um, She's so talented, so knowledgeable, such a force to be reckoned with. Um, And working with her was really cool. Um, And I mean, working with everyone in that show was really cool, but especially having like her powerhouse abilities there really like inspired me and encouraged me that I was doing the right thing for me. You know, I I was reading your resume um, and I noticed that you're featured in a lot of ensemble work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, little high school me or the high school friends that I was friends back with, was friends in, with back then, we would complain about ensemble and saying mm-hmm. how this is stupid. All we do is be in the background and dance. Now, obviously, now my perspective it has changed. Um, but your perspective of ensemble, why is ensemble so important to a show and why should someone who gets casted in that not feel bad about that or hate that aspect of it? Well, I mean, the ensemble kind of creates the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so important because they, they are the environment, they are the atmosphere, they are kind of the support system uh, and they're just as important as the the characters who are the leads or um, the named rules or whatever you want to call it every every show that has an ensemble would be very lacking without an ensemble did your when you got first gotten like cast in the musical or an ensemble per se yeah um did you have did you go in that and go into that show with a mindset like that or were you, like I said, very upset that you were in the ensemble? I kind of already had that mindset. Um, having, nice. Yeah, having been in a ballet company where a lot of it is ensemble as well. Mm-hmm. So earlier this year, you were in American in Paris with Durban Lang Theater. Yes. And it was cut short, correct? Yes. Yes. We, we closed about two and a half weeks early. Mm-hmm. Um. Were you was when when it was announced that 
you know, the show was going to be shut down. Was this during a show? Did you guys have a show that day and had to cancel it? Or um, what happened? It was actually a pretty crazy day. Um, it was a two-show day. Mm-hmm. And we had understudy rehearsal in between because the leads were kind of burnt out. Um, and our understudy for the main male lead was actually preparing to go on for the evening show. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the middle of the rehearsal, the producer and the director and, uh, you know, everyone who who's on the executive side of things came into the theater and we stopped in the middle of rehearsal and they told us that they told us everything that was going on um, and that we might not be doing the evening show. Um, so we kind of stopped rehearsal and everyone was really stressed out and sad, of course. Um, and then we... We found a way because um, the, I'm not sure what the, yeah, the producer, the producer, um, he found a way to just make the last show happen uh, because the the mandates weren't like fully in effect yet. And we were like, you know what, we can do one more. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the lead still did the last show, even though he had been planning to call out um, because you know it was the last show and yeah it was everything hit harder in that last performance like the the show begins uh kind of with like a a short scene without any lines or songs where everyone's kind of fighting their way through the war times um and every everyone's kind of being beaten down by um, by everything that's happening and I mean there there weren't like lines but there was shouting and at the end of the intro uh, everyone just kind of like reaches towards the sky helplessly and then we would feel something and turn around and see the Eiffel Tower lit up in the sunlight mm-hmm. and I'm getting emotional again thinking about it um, but yeah kind of like looking to looking to the sun and seeing that there was still hope. Um, so that opening scene was probably the hardest. And of course the end of yeah. um, the show. But, you know, when I had a show that was going to start to maybe a week before we had or before the shutdown. And yeah, I was pissy posse, very upset mm-hmm. that this has to happen. Um, and then I forget who it was, but a friend of mine sent me this message from the artistic director of some theater company. I don't think they were in Illinois. And, um, um, but he said, you know, theater has been through it all, you know, Greek times, Romans, wars. Um, we're going to be back. It may not be now. It may not be yet later, but we're going to be back. Mm-hmm. And the, the sucky part is we're just going to have to hit the, the pause button and yet because yet we're so young and all we want to do is work and play and perform um does this time off reflect I mean how is this time off reflecting with you I know we talked about you know you're writing a play and all that but yeah. you know personally and emotionally um what has this time off done for you it has given me the opportunity to slow down mm-hmm. and 
work on some inner growth and reflection. You know, I, I love what I do and sometimes I love it a little too much. Um, I do too many things at once sometimes, even though I feel that I can handle it. Um, you know, sometimes it really is too much and kind of having this forced time off has helped me to look at things a little differently and find better balances, um, with my personal, social, and artistic life. Uh, I think that I have grown a lot internally in these past few months. Like I, I think back at who I was a few years ago and who I was even just a few months ago. And like, I'm not a different person. I just feel that I know more things about myself and I have a broader perspective of the world and of the universe. Yeah. Um, during all this, and as we wrap up, we have a few more questions, but yeah. um, how do you think your parents feel about what you're doing right now? I know they're proud. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's a title. Um, so we do a game, time for two. Yeah. You know how this works. Two minutes on the clock. <laughs> uh, we added some new questions. Oh, that's exciting. I know, right? Um, so we'll start with those first and then get back into the old ones. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Four, three, two, one, go. Chips Ahoy or Oreos? Oreos. What is your zombie apocalypse weapon? Katana. How do you pronounce Abba? Abba or Abba? Abba. <laughs> um, favorite beetle? Ah, all of them. They're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, Old Navy or The Gap? Old Navy. I've worked there for five years. <laughs> um, King or Queens? Sorry, what? King or Queens? Queens. Bob the Tomato? Or Larry the Cucumber. Larry. I mean, you know. <laughs> Larry boy. Yeah. Um, where does the end of the rainbow take you? To the moon. Mm. Do you recommend art school? Yeah. Uh, jackpot or Jack in the Box? Jack in the Box. Aces or spades? Aces. Podcast recommendation. This one. Oh, um, do you hit the treadmill or hit the couch? <laughs> the couch. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a listener or a talker? I'm a listener. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? Everyone. Favorite doctor? Mm, doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which of the doctors is your favorite? Mm. Uh, 10 and 11. It was the person, so it's fine. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, 20, yeah, uh, 20 seconds. Mac or cheese? Cheese. Death by fire or ice? Ice. Do you match your socks? Sometimes, mostly. Uh, AC or DC? Both. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we play. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I, who knew I could really stump you there? Who knew? 
Yeah, it's because I like too many things. <laughs> How can you choose on some of these? <laughs> um, well, before we go, I have one final question, um, Ariel. Are your parents proud of you? They are. They are. Uh, <laughs> that, that was sentimental. Ariel, thank you again. Thanks this for was, having me, Matt. Yeah. You hear that, folks? Ariel is writing a play. It's part of Clock Productions' Black Joy, directed by Kaylor V. White. It's an annual theater festival that is going virtual, written and performed entirely by Black artists. Black Joy takes a physical and emotional journey through the seasons, sharing stories about being Black in America. It's streaming October 9th, and you can follow them on Facebook and on Instagram at Clock Productions. Also, we want to give a special shout-out, Griffin, to... The Chicago Dramatists. They're really well. The- golly gee, who are they? Well, they are a company. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> they are releasing their own monthly podcast titled "Playwrights Allowed: New Themes and Stories Presented by New Playwrights." Hear new plays as well as the playwrights themselves talk about their inspiration for them. The first episode is released right now, and guess what, Griffin? What? I'm on the first episode. Are you really? I am. That is cool. I won't give away much about the play, but I can say it's darkly funny. So, episodes are released on Spotify and soon to be on all other podcast platforms. And Griffin, would you be interested in acting, writing, or directing on the show? Um, yeah, those, those sound like things that I take an interest in. Great! Well, you can go to chicagodramatist.org slash playwrights-allowed to learn more. That is chicagodramatist.org slash playwrights-allowed. Wonderful. Yeah. Hey, 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 Griffin, I'm just curious, in these drastic times, have you taken up new careers, new jobs? You know, you know, right now, and I'm, I'm happy to say that we can be credited, I can be credited as this for this episode, I am now the official temperature setter of Are Your Parents Proud of You? Really? I keep it at, yeah, I keep it at a, a nice, cool 69 degrees at all times. Well, as long as nice. it's not over 100.4, you're good to go. <laughs> all right. Do we have anything else to say before we get out of here, Matt? Well, yeah, well, we can't wait for the rest of the season. You can like yes. us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, at Parents Proud Podcast. We're going to be releasing videos, uh, profiles of our guests, and some behind-the-scenes photos as well. And you can email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you Oh, th- my God. That's, that's right. We have an email. We have an email. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if anyone emails us. We'll fact-check it next week. <laughs> I haven't checked that thing in a long time. Oh, God, we're professional, I swear. Yes, you can email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. Griffin, want to know who who is going to be on the show next week? Yes. We're going to have Kevin Pollock. Now, wait, Griffin. Not Wait. Nope, not the Hollywood Kevin Pollock, the Chicago Kevin Pollock. Your questions and answers will all be revealed next time on Are Your Parents Proud of You? For Griffin McCorgle, I'm Matthew Schufreiter. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.